This is episode eight of the Rising Man podcast with Alex Morrison. Fire it up, baby. Welcome back to another installment of the Rising Man podcast. I am the host and creator of this show, Jetty Azuma, and I'm so excited to be on the mic speaking to you guys again this week. When you hear this recording, we're going to be three weeks in to the launch of this podcast, to the awakening of the Rising Man movement. And every week we've got more downloads coming in from all across the world. We're approaching 400 members of our Rising Man Facebook community. So I can feel it. I can feel that we're just beginning to really generate some momentum. So thank you everybody for all of your shares, your contributions, your comments, your feedback. It's been tremendous. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Without further ado, I've got an incredible guest that I'm excited to share with you guys today. His name is Alex Morrison, and Alex has spent his whole life collaborating with indigenous people, organic farmers, and globally conscious leaders who are committed to revitalizing the earth and improving our relationship to the environment. As an expert in fundraising and overall community relations, Alex has worked with some powerhouse organizations such as the Pachamama Alliance, Mankind Project, Vida Authentica, and the Institute of Noetic Sciences. He has lived and traveled with his family all over the world, polishing up on his global and cultural literacy along the way. And he has also spent years and years sitting in circle with men, men of all ages, men of all backgrounds, all types of experiences. So he has a lot to bring to the table. Some of the things we talked about today, the prison of living without a purpose, identifying the turning point in your life and how to make that change. The new warrior training as part of the Mankind Project, and also growing and learning together in a community of men and why that is so, so pivotal to our growth and our development as men. So fellas, whoever's listening, turn up your volume and turn down all the other distractions for the next 50 minutes or so. You do not wanna miss one ounce of wisdom from this interview. Trust me on this one, you guys. Without further ado, Alex Morrison. Hey, Alex, how's it going, man? Great to have you on the show today. Thanks for being here. Mm, thanks, Jetty. Thanks for asking me. Happy yeah. to be here. It's really an honor to dive into this topic we have for today because it's something that I know you and I connected on very early on uh, in our relationship when we met each other and something that I know you have a lot of wisdom to bring to the table. Mm, excited to talk with you. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to share what I've learned so far. Yeah, on the journey, right? On the road. That's right, man. Um, so just for those of you guys who are listening out there, the topic that we're going to be diving into has a lot to do with um, brotherhood and having a circle of men to support us in our journey as we go. We, Alex and I both have, have discussed our journeys and what we've learned along the way that many men find themselves alone on the path. And so that's where we're going to migrate our conversation to. And as always, we never know where it's going to go. So, <laughs> so sit tight and let's see what brilliance and genius we can pull out of Alex today. Um, as always, the way that I like to start off these interviews is to ask you the question to set some context. For you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Well, I have a six-year-old son, so I'm watching what a boy looks like every day, exploring, learning, trying, failing, getting back up. Uh, when I think about you know, the transition that I'm taking from being a boy to a man, I felt that like it's something along the lines of I'm now clear 
about that I get the opportunity to take accountability for the impact that my actions have both intended and unintended. So that the opportunity that I get to call myself a man is when I, however I choose to act in the world, they have impacts, things I meant to happen and things I necessarily didn't even know might happen. And I get to own that. And that's actually a great joy for me because it gives me this full agency. I can totally engage in the world. Um, and I still can mess up like, you know, like my six-year-old does, but now I get to say, I did that. Uh, both the gold, the good and the bad, you know, there's some, uh, and so I think as a boy, um, he, he doesn't understand that, that he has these impacts necessarily. He's learning, you know, he's learning and, um, and he's not always so keen to take responsibility. And I don't just mean a boy cause he's six, you know, it's, uh, um, sometimes I was a boy for, you know, many, many years after being six. <laughs> yeah. And I love that answer because it doesn't put an age or a more specific measurable, uh, definer on what is a boy and what is a man. Uh, but it's a great question because it, there's so many different opinions on it. And I agree. I see that there's a lot of men that we see walking around in the world or people we would consider to be men who are showing up as boys by that definition not taking responsibility or accountability for their actions in the world. Yeah. And, it, and, and what I like about that for myself is there are times where I still act, act as a boy, you know, and I can, now the difference is I can see that maybe not in the moment because I want to be right or don't want to be wrong is usually the reason why I don't want to be wrong. Uh, so I don't take accountability, but um, that distinction has helped me to live the, the life I want to be and really, uh, claim to be a man. I agree, man. And I can totally relate to that as well. There's many times where my boy wants to still, you know, speak up and get his voice out into the ethers uh -huh. and, and be heard and seen. And so uh, I think it's also a, our responsibility to nurture that boy and not to let that boy look outside of us to be nurtured as well. Mm. Yeah, well said. Um, and that's actually a great bridge to the dialogue we want to get into. Uh, you know, what, what I see as you bringing to the table is a lot of experience with uh, different circles of men. You know, we've talked about Mankind Project. We might refer to that as MKP in this conversation for those who are listening that aren't familiar with Mankind Project. Um, and I think a great starting point would really be telling us a story with some of the highlights of your journey as a young man before you found Mankind Project and, and what it was like for you. What were some of the challenges and, uh, and problems that you encountered as, as a young man on that journey looking for something? Yeah. Well, I, I've always been an explorer. I always wanted to know more about myself and what is the world like outside of my backyard. And so would find myself uh, as a young man in my teens, you know, halfway across town just because I'd started walking. And, um, and I would get lost. I didn't, really, I didn't have a direction that I was going. I just was walking. And, and I think that was true into my young adulthood. Um, you know, I moved to Costa Rica, Nicaragua for two years after college and then came back, found myself out here in the San Francisco Bay Area because someone offered me a job and someone else offered me a place to stay. And so I just, I didn't have a direction that I was headed. Uh, I knew I wanted to learn more and I wanted to be, um, I don't think at that time I really knew what I wanted to be or who I wanted to be, but I definitely just was looking, looking, looking. And 
after some time, I, a friend of mine said, you know, I, I know you're looking, but I think what you're looking for is really the direction to take because you can be ex an explorer and have a goal um, just as much as you can be an explorer of the unknown, but an intention about figuring out something about myself. And so he suggested I take uh, MKP training called the New Warrior Training Adventure. And what I really got out of that training at the time was a deeper understanding of myself, who I want to be in this world, clarity about myself. And so today I can stand here and say, I am committed to social and environmental justice. That's the purpose of my life. And the forms that take are varied, but that clarity really came out of, uh, the beginning of it came out of my time uh, through this NKP training. Cause I really got to see, I got to see that commitment. And then I got to see, am I living that commitment? Am I, am I that man committed to social and environmental justice? And if not, well, what are the places that I'm not that I could, could better myself? And that was about 10 years ago that I took that training. And, um, you know, one of the gifts of, of MKP are these circles that we can sit in afterwards with other men on their own journey. And, and I've sat in both MKP and non MKP circles of men and, and co-gender circles. And, uh, there's just some richness that I find in them about just hearing other people's stories. You know, not, I'm not there to fix them or repair them or solve their issue and listening to their story often is insightful to my story because I can see, Oh, I can see myself in you in a different way. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing, but the struggle you're in is similar to mine. And maybe there's some insight in hearing your journey that I didn't see for myself. Um, so, so yeah. And then that just, you know, how I express my social and environmental justice commitments varies from, working with indigenous people to working with farmers to uh, working with scientists. You know, I think the form it takes continues to unfold. I'm still that explorer wandering out past the backyard, but, uh, but now I know what I'm looking for as I'm out there. That's beautiful, man. And you mentioned the word direction. That's, that's one of the words that I chose as a theme for this show. So I'm so glad you mentioned it because I know that at that time that I can relate to what you were saying is at that time as a young man, without direction, just wandering aimlessly into the world to have experiences and to uh, to see the world in a sense, mm. uh, what for me at least was also a very painful time. So I want to actually back up a little bit and see if you could open that up and, and tell us a little about what it felt like when you were in that directionless place. I don't quite know where I'm going or quite know what I'm here for. Yeah, you know, it sounded like freedom to me at the time, but it was really a shackles. <laughs> Uh, I was stuck, um, just unclear about, you know, what to do for a career, unclear about the kind of women I wanted to involve myself in my life or the friends I wanted to be around. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, getting into behavior that luckily I never died or went to jail, but could have easily have ended up in those situations, uh, and uh, yeah, the pain that you're speaking to, it resonates with me. I mean, it was, um, there were certainly highs where I felt like, oh, I'm on top of the world in this place. But there was also the, when I was by myself um, and I was looking at myself like, oh, is this really the life I want to live? 
So, it, and it, and it was aimless. I mean, part of it seemed like fun. I'll take this job and see where it explores over here. But you know, then I would just, yeah, it's funny, you know, maybe end up drinking too much and wake up and be like, Oh, this doesn't feel good. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than it was, it wasn't like I, I don't know, looking back, it's all part of the journey. You know, I don't uh, begrudge that time because it led me to the man I am today. You know, I wouldn't change any of that, particularly because I survived it all. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's, that's the, the lesson I've learned from that time in my life is that a lot of that, those experiences are still the stories I tell now. And they're the stories mm. that I'll tell my, my young son when he's, when it's appropriate, you know, about my own conquests and experiences and what I learned from them. Uh, but it's, it definitely has a contrast to it. At that time, it was really painful for me. And what I'm beginning to learn is that every man goes on a journey similar, similar to this, just has his own unique details to the story. At least that's, that's been my experience. Would you say you've seen the same? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that uh, you may be familiar with the hero's journey, and I, and I think there's something really rich about the hero's journey. And part of the hero's journey is the descent. You know, it's the going down um, into the unknown. And uh, um, I think that's a crucial part of um, both men and women on their own hero's journey is to descend and then come to the ordeal. You know, what is that moment in which I am faced with a challenge that uh, really has me look at the way I've been up to this moment? And that is, you know, for each of us, that ordeal is our own. You know, and uh, and how do we know we're faced with it? Because we know <laughs> there may be many ordeals, and then often there's a big one we come to where the opportunity to to uh, become the person or the man I want to be presents itself. And so, um, in some ways, I don't know that I could get to where I am today without having gone through that journey. In fact, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be here without all of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. That's that's the take home message that I've gotten. And uh, I'm I'm very interested to hear what was that what was that bottom what was that descent for you what did that look like where where were you in the world and what were you doing when you got to that place Oh I was um, I was living up in uh, in Healdsburg California <laughs> um, and I was I just, this job had just ended some friends of mine had some property that they told me I could take care of I was actually um, remodeling the house that was on the property and starting to build some cabins uh, on the land. And it was lonely. I was out by myself in the woods, um, detached from people I know, basically broke, didn't have any money to speak of. Um, by the grace of my friends, they were letting me stay there for free and work trade, but it just wasn't, that wasn't who I wanted to be. Uh, you know, I loved the being out in nature. So I thought it would be appealing but there was just something about the um, the lack of it was sort of like a dead end. I realized I was at a dead end, and uh, and that wasn't working for me. And um, you know, at, at that time is actually where I met the woman who is now uh, the love of my life and my wife. And that situation exploded where I had a falling out with my friends, and I had to leave the land, and um, and. <laughs> Even uh, we had shared this old Ford F-150 biodiesel truck that we bought in together. And I asked my friend, um, 
you know, I basically had sold my half of it back to him. And I said, can I just use it one more time to get out of here and go move in with my girlfriend at the time? Uh, and with all my stuff and, and he said, sure. And of course on the way down the one one the engine uh, blew out. So uh, <laughs> it was just like, even in getting out of that situation was like, Oh, this is basically the bottom. I'm at the bottom. Um, but there was light, you know, there's, there was light. Just when I thought the darkness set in, there was a, just a stream of light. And so that was what was going on. Yeah, man. And, and there's definitely a beauty in chaos. At least I, I know I've come to appreciate that on the other side of things and almost come to delight in the breakdowns and the, the destruction of what we think to be true. And, um, but it's hard on the other side of it. So I, I also want to acknowledge that and, and just take a moment to say anyone who's listening to this who can relate that even though sometimes it seems like it's the end of the world, how could this any be get any worse? It, it, it always finds its way. It always has a, has a way and a purpose. And, and you mentioned one thing that was um, really interesting to me was that you had come to this place where you realized to yourself, like, this is not working for me. That when you said that out loud, that really landed for me because I remember having the same moment myself, like looking at my life, having a couple of, you know, big unexpected breakdowns just blow up in my face and and having a, a look in the mirror and saying this is not working for me anymore and recognizing that nobody's going to do anything about it unless I do right it sounds like that was a similar experience for you yeah uh, you know um one thing I'll say too about breakdowns is at that time I didn't get the context of what you just shared about how breakdowns can lead to breakthroughs and there's something else on the other side I just thought this is you know this is the end this is like isn't working and so it was it really was until i said out loud this isn't working for me i did think it was the end i thought i was stuck there i mean i was you know basically had no money no prospects and i thought god this is has that come to a dead end and then when i said this isn't working for me um something opened in me that i got that i like you said, I love what you said. I'm the only one who's going to do something about this. And, uh, and that's when I decided to do something about it. And that's when I decided I had to leave and, um, and really get myself back into community and back into relationship with people and um, move back out of the woods, back into society, if you will. Um, yeah, but at the time, man, I, you know, it's <laughs> 15 years later, it's a little easier to just look back and go, oh, yeah, it all turned out for the better. But the thing I've learned along the way in the last 15 years is uh, it'll turn out exactly as it should. So I can get upset about it or I can just continue to be in the unfolding of my life committed to uh, my vision. That's beautiful, man. So, so as far as your story goes, we still haven't gotten to the new warrior training yet. Yeah. So walk us through what, what were some of the things that happened at that point? You've reached the bottom. You, the engine blew out <laughs> metaphorically and literally. And so, so what were some of the things that you did next? What were some of the actions you took to start figuring things out again? Yeah. I mean, I, at that point I, I just had to, what, what was I here to do? I started like one, I needed a job. Um, and so I, I had to start with getting some income and I uh, was ended up being a bartender and a bar manager at a place in San Francisco because that was an easy job to get. And I'd done some of that work previously. Um, and then I just spent that time like looking like, what is the thing that speaks to me? You know, really doing some 
I mean, while I left the woods, it's still the woods is a place of reflection for me. So hiking a lot. Um, I was with this, uh, like I mentioned, this woman who is now my wife. And so we spent a lot of time reflecting with each other. It was helpful to have a partner that I could share with and, and have a, someone who was really committed to listening to me to help me tease out from me what it was I wanted to do. And, um, and I thought that's, and I found this job, which was, taking kids from the inner cities of Oakland, Richmond out onto this ranch and teaching them how to connect with themselves. And I was like, ah, that's right. This is what I wanted to do with my life when I was 15 years old was to work on the land and explore who I am by being on the land. And then I found this job and that was, um, and then that job surprisingly and suddenly ended because there was no uh, funding process that the founders had. Uh, which is what really led me to what is now the calling of my work is is to help people understand how to raise money to fund the things that they care about. And so in um, while I thought I had found my life's work, uh, that was the opening to what became really my life's work. And, um, and when I found another job actually doing some fundraising, working with indigenous people in the Amazon, supporting them, uh, it was out of that that I met somebody who introduced me to MKP. And, uh, you know, I don't know before that, would I have been ready for that? I don't think so. I think I was still wandering aimlessly in the forest, but as I, as, as who I wanted to be started to come into focus, I was ready for the conversation of taking myself to the next level. And, um, and I, you know, I, I think that is, if I look at other men I've known who have done this work in MKP, uh, either they're at rock bottom or think they can see themselves headed there with their relationship with their partner or their children or their parents or their work, like they can see the bottom coming and they don't know what else to do. And someone said, here's a, here's a lifeline. Or they actually had already turned the corner, maybe didn't know it, but saw that there was a place now to really um, galvanize them to the next level. And, uh, and so I think that's a lot of the folks I see doing this men's work are somewhere right around that turning point, just just about to get there, and just afterwards. Yeah, I, I've I've seen all different entry points into men's work uh, myself, and so I can really understand what you're sharing there. Um, it it sounds like there's some wisdom in what you said uh, just in that last response. Uh, when you hit that rock bottom, you seemed like you 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 resolved yourself to figure to figure it out. You weren't going to give up. You weren't going to you know sell out your your life you were going to figure it out and then you just kept throwing yourself at experiences like you didn't a lot of people i think retreat into themselves and hide away and it sounds like you just kept putting yourself out there would you say that that's what i'm hearing yeah and i think that you know what's uh, when you say that the thing that i am noticing is uh, that's true and while i was still wandering i now had a direction it, it was myself I realized I recommitted to myself. I didn't know who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew I wanted to find out. And that itself dragged me forward into this new way of being. Um, and so while I still was wandering, I now had a compass in my hand at least. And, uh, and that compass was me, you know? And, um, and then, you know, and, and did I fall down after that? Absolutely. Uh, I still do to this day, but, but, you know, I'm committed to myself in a way that I keep getting up. Well, that's great. And so that leads us right into the new warrior training. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about this and your experience. So what was, uh, to, let's what, talk us through the story. So you, someone you met introduced you to uh, Mankind Project and they said, you got to do this new warrior training. So walk us through the emotions, the thought process, resistances, whatever you got. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I have had and actually uh, still have a group of really close guy friends from college. Um, so, you know, having a, that brotherhood, that relationship with other men uh, was something that I really enjoyed, but we've spread out all across the country and the world. And so when I, when I was um, part of what my friend said is, look, this is about you. You know, this is about helping you be the man you want to be. And uh, you don't have to do it alone. You know, this is an organization that's going to help you uh, connect with other men looking for that same spark in their life. And there's no prescription here. We're not going to tell you about what that is for you. Uh, we're going to help you see what that is for yourself because the truth of it already lives in you. You know, you just maybe don't know, have the tools or the awareness or the support to find that for yourself. And so that was super appealing for me. I, I don't know that I had a lot of fear around that. I was, in that moment, I was hungry for that. I was like, I need that. Um, if there was some fear, it was, oh man, what if I don't get that? Like, what happens if I do this training and at the end I don't find that part of me? But um, I trusted this man. I'd see him. I'd actually knew him before and after he did the training so I could see in him what it did. Um, and, and so I was a, a yes to stepping into this training. And actually, you know, the, the training itself is designed as its own hero's journey, meant to have me reflect on my own journey up to that point, including um, the you know, the separation from my own uh, comfort zone and then a descent and ordeal um, where I have to face my own shadows and really face them because I was hiding from them and running from them. And, and, uh, and then this initiation process as I come back out of the ordeal and face my demons, as it were, um, that there are people waiting for me on the other side to support me with the new awareness I had. So you know, the, uh, the fear I still run today is, um, you know, this gap between the man I am and the man I want to be, you know, and, and what I, what I've learned is that I can be the man I want to be in every moment. You know, I have that opportunity in every moment to be the man I want to be. And then I've also have some gentleness for myself when I don't act as that man. I don't be that man. You know, that's another thing I've learned is to be gentle with myself on this process. It doesn't mean soft, like I'm not committed to it, but to not uh, beat myself up for falling down because I know I'm committed to it. That's awesome. Now I can yeah, I can, I can really relate to that. And um, I think that also goes back to your definition of the difference between a boy and a man is taking, again, responsibility and accountability for your actions and and also the responsibility to be gentle with yourself because I think as children we look for other people to tell us everything's going to be okay. <laughs> at some yeah. point, at some point you got to do that for yourself as an adult because otherwise you're you're still dependent on that. So um, yeah, and it, you know it, it's uh, it and it's still a learning process. You know, one of the things uh, a friend of mine said, you know, mastery is like a mountain with no top. You have to enjoy the climb. And that's the process I'm in now. It's, you know, I still want my wife to tell me it's going to be okay sometimes. You know, I still need that. And, uh, but I also know that the only person who can really give it to me is me. Yeah, and that's why I surround myself with men like yourself and others that are actually exploring this and are willing to um, be there when I need some reflection and support. Because, um, you know, could I do this alone? Maybe. 
I mean, maybe that's possible. I choose not to because it's way more fun doing it with others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, we'll, and we'll get into that in a minute because I know there's so much to speak about um, what there is to gain by having that community of men and what there is to lose by not having mm. it. Um, but before we go there, you mentioned, you said a word comfort. You said something back there when you were describing it about getting out of your comfort zone. And I've come to see that it's so important to be to get comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. or familiar with being uncomfortable. So I wonder if you could speak to that, your experience of just embracing the discomfort. Yeah, there's like, um, there's this way of stepping into the future. The future is is unknown. Maybe, you know, the future is unwritten or if it's written, it hasn't been revealed to me. And so I'm always stepping into the unknown. Um, and then I can make plans about how I'm going to be or what's going to show up. And then I just have to show up, you know. And uh, what I've learned is when I'm stuck in this isn't working, this isn't how it should be, this isn't fair, I'm not able to be with what's arriving and then to uh, Aikido it into the way that is useful and of its highest good, both for me and the situation. It may not still look like I want it to. Uh, but at least I am able to dance with it and not be stuck in a, um, it's really almost like being a statue in a way, like this isn't working, this isn't fair, this isn't how I planned it to be, makes me um, immovable. And I can't be in the, and sometimes the, you know, the joy of the pain, you know, there's a lot of learning in the pain. Um, and I've come to see that uh, it's not always clear to me that there's joy or learning in the moment of pain, but um, but what I know is there is. I've come to learn there is. And so in reflection, I can often see that there's a lot of learning in situations that are, are, are discomfort, are uncomfortable. So I, I liked what you said. It's really um, being comfortable with the discomfort. Um, and then another piece of it is, is, you know, I can, I can be comfortable, you know, I can settle back into the life I want and check out and not really grow myself or really stretch myself as my personal growth or in business. Um, but that's not what I'm here to do. You know, I get this one life and, uh, and whether or not there are others, I don't know. So in this one, I want to really take it on and, and learn and explore in a way that really fuels me and fuels others. That's awesome, man. And I love that you always bring it back to your choice because that's that's really taking responsibility again for your life and for your actions. So it's it's a cool common thread to see that's coming through in your responses here. Um, so, you know, I'm much, I want to start leaning into some of the benefits that you've seen and some of the costs that you see about men who are either are involved in having a men's circle or, or are not. And why don't we start on the on the end where, you know, for men who have not experienced this yet or men who don't have a circle of men, a community of men around them, what is the cost for guys like that? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the cost is the world we live in where we are separated and we think we're separate. And so we see, you know, how, how what does that lead to? It leads to um, unhealthy ways of treating myself, unhealthy ways of treating each other, unhealthy ways of treating the planet. And so if we just you know, read the news, we're going to get a real healthy dose of all the unhealthy ways of being because men are not sitting in circle. And, and a lot of it is, um, you know, I'm stuck being a boy in the way I defined it earlier on. I want what I want when I want it. 
and I don't really care about the consequences on myself or others. Um, and you know, we're, we're human beings or social animals. So there's a place in us that, that requires that interaction with others. And, and then can we create uh, healthy ways of being in relationship with other men? Cause there's a plenty of, unhealthy ways of being in relationship with other men. And you can see that in gang violence or fraternity hazing, where we look at um, these are male, can be male relationships, but they're not done in a healthy way that is supportive of the growth of the the psychological development of a human being. So, you know, I mean, I just think about the world of like the Me Too campaign is about in many ways is about men not being in right relationship with other men that the elders in our community haven't taught men how to go from boys to men. And so we treat women and other men like objects instead of like being human beings that are, that we're equals with. Yeah. I, I love that. That's where you went with it. Um, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you also mentioned the, the contrast between different arrangements of, of men, circles of men, communities of men, you know, there's just as, you know, we're speaking more to the positive or the more um, progressive communities of men, but there's been a lot of traditions in which men have sought these communities, these brotherhoods, and are united around unhealthy behavior, mm-hmm. uh, unhealthy expressions of the masculine. And so um, that's a great distinction to make. And I'd see you starting to also speak about some of the more the bigger implications of these communities. You know, I I sit on a men's team of eight eight guys, but I've already seen the ripples that happen in the lives of the people around them just by sitting in that space. And so, could you speak a little bit to what you think is possible when more men begin to find these spaces? Yeah, well, I've sat in different uh, configurations of groups of men. Some my age, um, eight men who are all young fathers, have young families, and that had a particular flavor to it. And other ones where there are intergenerational men, so men in their 60s and 70s, along with men in their 20s and 40s. Um, and I, you know, I don't think there's a right, there's not a right group, just the one that's right for me or the one that's right for you. Uh, but what I've seen in each of those is the chance to really the chance to be heard without judgment and and i think there's some freedom in that like i get to talk into a circle of men and own that i messed up in a a way that hurt other people And, and you know and other people can hold me in a way uh you know emotionally hold the space for me to process that without making me wrong because nobody <laughs> needs to make me wrong. I know, you know, I know the difference between right and wrong in my heart. And so I know when I've hurt people and out in the world, I'm protecting myself, you know, I'm protecting them. I want to show up strong for my kids, for my wife, at my job. So I put on masks that, you know, don't always allow me to reveal myself. Um, but in these circles, uh, I get to take off those masks and I get to really be vulnerable and allow what's true about me, the way I'm being, uh, and the impact it's having on who I want to be in my life show up. And so I I don't just get to do that. I get to sit there and and witness and support other men doing that. And so sitting in these circles over time, I also get to watch my brothers grow because it's it's a safe place to reveal myself and learn. And I think that's, that's really, 
uh, you know, what I recommend to men thinking about this kind of community is, do I want to learn about myself and grow into the man that I can respect and want to be in my life? And if I do, there's a lot of good places to go and sit and circle with other men uh, and get some value out of being vulnerable and revealing myself. That's great. And you said something there. I don't know if you realized it. You mentioned the word freedom again. And the first time you mentioned freedom on this interview, you were talking about what you thought freedom was back when you were a younger man and you thought it was just being able to go out in an adventure with an open with an open-ended story and not know where you were going to end up. And in this context, you talked about freedom as the ability to, to, to strip away some of the layers that you've caked on over the years and let yourself be seen. It's, it's really, it's really cool to look at that. Is there anything else that you could say about what freedom is for you now? Mm. Yeah. You know, uh, thank you for that reflection. I, I would say that, yeah, in getting to own the, the shadow side of my behaviors, the things that I don't love about myself or try to suppress or hide or deny and bring them to the light, they don't drive me anymore. I mean, they still do. Like I said, this is a, a mountain with no top. Uh, but I, but more and more often I get to bring them to the light. Like, um, you know, there's a, there's this piece of me that wants to be liked. There's a piece of me that just wants to be liked. And, um, if I'm not present to that, I will act in ways that aren't really serving me oddly enough, because I want to be liked. I might lie to people or hide something from them or, you know, go out of my way to please them when it doesn't really serve me because I think they'll like me. And I now know that about myself and that doesn't dr unconsciously drive my behavior anymore. So the reason I, you know, now I, I am liked by me. I am liked by me. And so because of that, I can bring this shadow of I need to be liked to, to light and go, ah, welcome shadow. Thank you for thinking I needed to go please this person and I didn't. And it gives me freedom to not just be driven into that space. I get a moment to pause and reflect and then choose. And I think that's uh, when you talk about freedom in that way, it's this, um, you know, more and more I'm able to notice when like a, uh, some kind of impulse to act or say something shows up, I have more freedom to pause and think about it for a minute and go, is that, is that really, is that true for me? And if it is great, let's go do it. And if it's not, all right, let it go. You know? That's awesome, man. I can definitely relate to what you're saying in that. And that's, that's a beautiful definition of what freedom is for you now. Um, I, I want to start to, bring this to a close here and, and tie off the story more in the present for you with the work that you're doing. I know that uh, sitting in men's circles and, and being a part of men's work for many years myself has directly led me into what my purpose work is, creating this podcast, coaching men, creating spaces for men to be vulnerable with each other. And that's, you know, that's a more direct line for me, but I wanted to see if you could, if you could share how the work you've done in men's circles has, has influenced what you're creating in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I I mentioned earlier, I was, you know, got into fundraising because I, I really loved this other work I was doing, um, serving kids, bringing them onto the land. And, and I just thought, Oh, I just need to learn about fundraising and then I can go off and do back to the programs that I care about. But, um, what I've, what's unfolded for me is an awareness of this gift I have in this domain, in this area. And, um, really it's 
the clarity is, ah, I can, I can make a big difference for a lot of people if I, if I actually hone this craft, you know, and, uh, and it's not, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not that any of the other men I sit with are fundraisers or know how to do it. That's not where the learning comes from around this. It's, uh, it's really about learning about myself. What do I care about? What are my commitments in the world? Am I living towards them? Um, how am I living towards them? So I can celebrate it. It's not just about, you know, I'm not like self-flagellating myself when I, you know, I fail. Uh, it's about like owning that I'm being successful, moving towards the man I want to be. And so, you know, 10 years of sitting in different circles and different configurations, it's uh, a beautiful reflection to get, ah, okay, I am, uh, I, I can get clear about what I want to do. And then I also have this like gentleness about the world, which is, you know, thinking about this uh, old diamond sutra tale about the, you know something like truth or beauty lives in the middle of the diamond and each of us are a facet of the diamond looking in on it in our own version of what truth or beauty might be. And so what I've learned is I have a lens through which I look onto that and so do you. And if I can listen to your lens and your way of seeing it, it reveals another quality or element that I didn't see myself. And so the, another great benefit of sitting in circle is I get to hear from other men how they're showing up in their life. And I get a more robust uh, understanding of what it means to live a life and to get to choose how to live mine. And so, uh, yeah, so that's really um, why I keep showing up to sit in circles. Yeah. And that's great, man. We talked so much about what you've gotten from the circle and we really haven't touched on what you're able to bring to it. So maybe you could just for the benefit of the men who haven't had that experience, share what it's like to be able to be there for another man and to support a brother. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for asking that. I, uh, that is a key part for me. It's really the two pieces to why I sit in the circles I sit in. One is how am I growing and how can I support other men growing too? And so, um, you know, the circles I like to sit in tend to create a space of uh, listening where, again, I don't know what's right for this man. You know, only he does. Only he does. But what I get to do is reflect back to him things he might not have seen. Or if I'm sitting in a circle with men over time, I get to think about, oh, wait a minute, didn't you say something like this three weeks ago? in this other place of your life. And then the man can put the dots together for himself and go, ah, yeah, I get that. So there's this like um, kind of magician fun quality to it where we're just in this magic space of the unknown of the future. And, uh, and the man gets to create for himself the, the life he wants to live. And I get to show up in support of that. And so it's just a lot of fun to uh, watch other men grow and, and really choose their own lives. Cause um, there's this saying I like healed men heal the planet. And, and as each of us can sit in circle with other men and really, um, who can really live and learn from each other. Uh, I think that's a really powerful place we can move together. Yeah. I, I share the same experience. Uh, it's easy to see what one can get from, uh, having a men's circle, but also just being able to be of service to another man is tremendous. And thinking about what it means in that man's life. You know, if he has a family, if he has people who work for him or he works for everybody that his life touches is impacted by how I'm able to support and serve him as well. And not only that, also what I'm hoping this podcast helps to do to serve other men, sometimes just by hearing another man's story mm. or seeing another man deeply entrenched in his process yeah. has so much 
wisdom and so many gifts. Everyone in the circle learns from another man's experience from what I've seen. Would you say the same? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, I may not be living the same life. You know, I'm in a circle now where there's uh, I'm the only guy who has children and uh, you know, most of the men are about 10 years younger than me. And then there's a couple guys who are like 30 years older than me. And they're in very different. We're living very different lives right now in our the trajectory of our lives. Um, and yet to hear the, the pain and the joy and the, the shame that a man is going through can reveal so much for myself. And so there's, uh, and I can see that in other men around the circle. So I think that you just said is totally true. Cool, man. And as, as we start to wrap up here, uh, just to put a close on that whole theme of, of brotherhood and men's circles, what would you say is the one biggest takeaway you've gotten from uh, sitting in circles of men and mankind project, the, the whole experience so far? Yeah. I am good enough. Uh, that's it. You know, I'm good enough just the way I am and just the way I'm not. And I get to be committed to something bigger if I choose to be. And, uh, and I don't have to be upset or sad or shameful about the, if there's some dissonance there, I'm good enough. I can love myself just the way I am. Awesome, man. Um, well, we opened up so many amazing ideas and concepts. We may have to have a, a round two of this interview later on at some point, just to dive a little deeper, but, um, there's a couple questions I'd like to ask. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple questions I'd like to ask to close up each interview, um, so for this first one, this might have something to do with your last answer, but let's see. What is one thing you have learned that you wish you knew when you were 18 years old? Hmm. Yeah, maybe it's uh, keep going, <laughs> you know, keep going. There's, there's more on the other side. Uh, and, you know, love myself that uh, it's okay to fall down. In fact, there's a whole lot of learning down there. Uh, and there's a whole lot of learning about standing back up. Awesome. I love that. I wish I wish I could have heard that as well when I was 18. Um, yeah, I gotta remind myself this? to tell my six-year-old that in 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just make a note, put it in the calendar <laughs> on his birthday. <laughs> um, okay, how about this one? What do you think it means to be a man in the modern world? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm uh I can really only answer that what it means to be this man, because I'm not gonna judge another man. Uh, we're all on our different journeys. But for me, being a man means living a life committed to social justice, environmental sustainability, and spiritual fulfillment. That's the man I am and want to be. Beautiful, man. Very clear, very simple. I like that. Um, and lastly, uh, you, you alluded to some of the things that you're up to and into. Would you want to take just a minute or two to tell everybody here what you're creating in the world and how we other people can follow you, get aligned and support yeah, I mean, you know, I definitely go check out mkpusa.org. That's a great organization doing really good work for uh, with and for men and women and communities. So I'd say check that out. Um, you know, you can follow me at, at Almo Morrison on Twitter if that's uh, something you're interested in. And um, yeah, I think that's, you know, I'm out there doing my thing, not trying to make a big splash. So I'm a little bit under the radar as uh, as I can be. But uh, thank you for bringing my story to light, Jetty. I really appreciate the chance to talk about it. You got it, man. And thank you for bringing your story to life. There's, I, I got so much from this interview, just revisiting some of the things I could relate to in your story. So uh, thank you for bearing all and and explaining your process to for the benefit of the rest of these men. And we'll have to get round two on the schedule sometime in the future. Sounds good, brother. You be well. Excellent, man. You too. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye. 
Wow, what an episode. Every time I've re-listened to this episode with Alex, I keep getting more pearls of wisdom, more little nuggets rolling in. And one of my biggest takeaways is just the reminder of how much we grow when we sit in a circle of men. Not even just when we're being mirrored and listened to by other men, but when we're the ones doing the listening. I have taken away some of my greatest insights, inspirations, and wisdoms from listening to other men in their process and recognizing, wow, that guy sounds like me. I'm not alone. Oh, wow. I'm not the only crazy person who's feeling this way. And so really grateful for everything that Alex shared. As always, you guys, if you want to check out some of the links that were mentioned in this episode, as well as where to find more information about the Mankind Project and the new warrior training, you can check out the links and resources by going to the risingmanpodcast.com. Make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter while you're there so you can get the most recent updates for new episodes, new content, and new opportunities to engage with our growing community. Please, please, please also leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Leave a review, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Let us know how it's going so far. What are some of your biggest takeaways? What's your one biggest takeaway so far? This is going to help other people who haven't listened to the Rising Man podcast yet get interested and listen to their first episode. So please leave a review. Please share it with a buddy. Send it to another man who's going to benefit from all the pearls that, they, that you've benefited from on this podcast. Also, make sure you join the Rising Man Facebook community. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, we're approaching 400 members now, and it's growing by the day. So make sure you go to facebook.com slash groups slash The Rising Man. This is where we're going to continue the conversations that are opened up in each one of these podcasts. And whatever it is that we're going through in the world as men, this is the place to share it and to get vulnerable. Also, make sure that you reach out to us on Instagram at the Rising Man Pod, or you can reach out to me directly at Jetty Azuma on Instagram. You can also contact us at the website, therisingmanpodcast.com. And last but not least, again, as always, a big shout out to Sean Offenbach over at Less Than Three Records. That's less than the number three records. He is doing some amazing work to make this podcast sound really good. Every time I listen to a, a completed episode, I'm like, wow. I know I don't sound that good in real life. <laughs> so Sean is doing some incredible work. Big up, Sean. Thank you for everything you do, man. And until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.